0: Listening to the Miracle Word Podcast, we believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. Today's going to be a good one. Let me tell you, I've been thinking about this. One of the things that really <clears throat> irritates me is that people take God's principles and they commandeer them and they start using them as if they're their own principles, and because they're God's principles, they work, and then they act like you know it was their own idea. Let me give you an example. if you go to um Barnes and Noble, for example, and you were to go to the business section, the best sellers on the business section, and you were to look at the concepts taught on the bestsellers of business section or management, whatever you want to look at, one thing, if you're a Christian that knows the word, one thing that you'll find, and I've talked to my friend, Pastor Brian Wright, about this, one thing you'll definitely find is that those principles that work in business, management, whatever, they are scriptural principles. I mean, literally they're scriptural principles and, you know, they're commandeered. Maybe, 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 not. Maybe it's just somebody by trial and error has realized, man, these things really work and started to use them as like, wow, these, these principles work and they don't even know that they're scriptural principles. But when you look at them, they're actually scriptural biblical things. And that's the reason that they work because God instituted them as laws, you know, like seed time and harvest. Seed time and harvest is a law that functions whether you're a Christian or not. I mean, you realize that seed time and harvest functions, whether you're a Christian or not. Everything you release from your life is a seed and it does produce a harvest. It's not just Christians whose words carry power, everybody. I mean, think about the fact that somebody who's not a Christian may have said something to you or about you that hurt you or your family. Well, the reason it had the ability to hurt you or your family is because words carry power. That's why I think some colloquialisms we use are stupid. You know, it's like sticks and stones can break my bones, but words, or some people say names, can never hurt me. Well, that's obviously untrue. There, All kinds of people have been hurt by things that have been said about them, not done to them, said about them. Well, that's because words carry power. And we know that because we've been made in the likeness and the image of God. And so understand our words have a life-giving power to them. And Proverbs tells us that death and life are in the power of the tongue. And so we look at these principles and like, oh, wow, that's a great business principle. No, it's actually a scriptural principle. It's actually a biblical principle. You know, uh, there's been some books that have come out recently. Think about this about servant leadership, you know? So like instead of trying in your business or your your whatever, your corporation in management, instead of trying to be the boss over everybody, uh, getting down into the mix and leading them as your team, you know, that you're no longer looking, them, looking at them as these are my employees, these people work for me, but looking at yourself as part of the team, the leader obviously of the team, but you're leading them by example, leading them by showing them how to work, leading them as your team, and engendering that kind of um, synergy and respect—that's a listen. Jesus told his disciples, "Whoever would be greatest among you must be your servant." That's not a biblical. That's not a business principle. That's a biblical principle. That you understand. Uh, there were people that, by pride, were trying to be above all the others, and Jesus said, "You have to be a servant if you're going to be a leader." So again. Another thing, it's not a it's not a business principle. It's a biblical principle. These things I could go on and on and on. These these things are. You talk about excellence. You know, you go through all these uh, businesses that preach excellence. Well, excellence is not a business principle. It's a biblical principle. Go to Proverbs twenty two twenty nine, where the Bible says, "If you see a man who's diligent in his work, he will stand before kings. He will not serve mere men." excellence. It's a biblical principle, not a business principle. And so you could go there and you could spend time going through that business uh, section of Barnes and Noble. And you'll find that you'll find that they're basing what they're doing on things found in scripture and anything found in scripture. Now, let me, let me just go, go here with you. Anything you find in scripture empowers you to do greater things. God's instructions empower you to do greater things. And so, um, you know, I, I want I want to uh, have you put that in the comments section. God's instructions empower you to do greater things. Put that in the comments section. Put that in the comments section. God's instructions empower you to do greater things. If he commanded it, he empowered you to do it. And so let me show you this. And by the way, I didn't say this, but sharing's caring. Take a minute to share the broadcast today because what I'm going to show you today is this mindset you've got to have immediately. Gotta change your mindset to this immediately. I mean that. It's winner's choice. And I'm going to show you what I mean by that. God's instructions empower you to do greater things. And so what I mean by that is this. When I see somebody in, a new, in the New Age movement, New Age philosophy that has commandeered a biblical principle and tried to turn it into a new age principle or new age philosophy. And they see that there is some success to that. That's frustrating to me because what you're doing is you're just taking the power that God said is available and trying to wrap it in a pagan skin. You see what I mean by that? Trying to wrap it in a pagan skin. I'll give you a a perfect example. There was a book that came out called um, The Secret. And one of the things that's been dealt with is the law of attraction. You can set yourself up in the kingdom, or we would say in the kingdom, they would not, just in the world, to attract things that you desire to yourself. And they try to pass that off like it's a new age philosophy or a new age principle. When in reality, that's not, that's not the case at all. Once again, it's a biblical principle. But they take biblical principles and try to pass them off as new age philosophy or new age uh, ideals. It, it's not true. It's, it started with God. He created the systems. So like with the law of attraction, you know, there's this, there's this thought process and it's going to be very basic. It's going to be very vague. But there's this thought process that if you keep yourself in a positive mindset, if you release the right things from your life, release the right words from your life, you will then attract to yourself the things that you want. You know, you say them, you talk about them, you release the, the positivity from your life, you release the right words, you have the right thoughts, you have, you know, what they would maybe would call a positive aura or they would maybe they would call it um, just power of positive thinking, whatever it might be. And then as you do all these things, positive thinking, releasing right words from your life, having you know an up, a positive attitude, speaking about those things, and you're attracting those things into your life. What does that sound like to you? That's exactly what the Word of God teaches about faith. It's exactly what the uh, the kingdom principle, of seed time and harvest and faith. So I want, I want you to hear this with me today. People try to steal these godly principles and wrap them in a pagan skin. They're not pagan principles. They're not, they're not pagan principles. And so exactly, they want to discount their need for God, but they need the Lord. And so I want to show you this today that when you look, let me see if I have it here. I don't have it, but when you look at the way these things function, the way these things operate, it must be understood God designed this. God designed this for his people. And so I want, I, that's why I want to deal with this today. It's this thought of the winner's choice mindset. One of the reasons that the devil is able to harass so many believers is because they don't understand, number one, what they have the ability to do. And I don't blame them. I blame many times. I blame ministers that were uh, not bold enough to teach these things for fear of maybe being persecuted or called a nut job, whatever, you know, that does affect people. It does affect people when, you know, ministers and leaders, when, you know, they're afraid of the persecution that may come back because of, well, he, you know, he's a prosperity preacher. He's, he's a word of faith preacher or whatever. And people get, I'm not bent out of shape because people don't agree with that. That's their problem. Not mine. I have to believe what the word of God says and act that out and live by that. So, um, I start to realize that number one, there is a scriptural ability for every one of us that are believers to num- number one, we're going to talk about this. The mindset starts everything. That's the origin point of everything good. And so that's why the devil fights in your mind so much. There's some said about your spirit. There's some said about your flesh. But the word of God in the New Testament speaks a lot about your mind, your thoughts, your inward man. The reason for that is because if you look at yourself as a three-part being, right? You have your spirit. You have your soul. You have your body. If you look at yourself as a three-part being, one of the things you're going to find is that your spirit man never changes. He is pleasing to God if you're saved. Your flesh is the same. It's always going to be carnal or displeasing to God, right? And so it's the soul which stands in the middle that is the thing that must be dealt with. I've, de- I've, I've dealt with this on the broadcast. It, it would be like if you were having a fight between spirit and and flesh, which you are, the Bible teaches that, Galatians 5, 17, it's like if you were having a fight between spirit and flesh, and then in the middle, there's an additional person, the soul, who will team up with either the spirit or the flesh. You understand? Will team up. So two against one is never a fair fight. So whoever that soul teams up with is the winner. If your soul or if your mind goes unrenewed and your soul teams up with your flesh, your spirit will lose and you'll be a carnal Christian. You'll be a a, a carnal believer. It's an immature way to be, but you'll fulfill the desires of your flesh uh, as a Christian. If you don't renew your mind, if you don't get your soul in order, then it will always team up with your flesh and you'll produce fresh fleshly fruit and fleshly things in your life displeasing to God. No question, but then catch this. If you renew your mind and focus your thoughts, take thoughts captive, set your mind on things above, then your soul teams up with your spirit man and your spirit man and soul are united and your flesh has to come into submission to your spirit man and your soul. You see, so it's always a fight. I don't want you to ever think that there's going to stop being a fight. There's always a fight. Until you die or until Jesus comes, there'll be a struggle of flesh versus spirit internally. I don't care if you've been a Christian for 40 years, your flesh still tries to rise up and take control of your life. And daily, as Paul taught, daily, you have to put your flesh under or make it submit. You see what I mean? And so that's 1 Corinthians nine twenty seven, by the way. <clears throat> and so you have to know this, that there is a war being waged and although your spirit man can grow in faith and grow, uh, you know, I'll give you an example. <clears throat> how, no matter how powerful your spirit man is, How how do ministers end up falling? Ask yourself that question. There have been very well-known and powerful ministers that have fallen. And we know about it. We know it. We've seen it happen. Very powerful, impactful, faithful, effective ministers that have fallen. Well, remember this. They were doing impactful things for the kingdom. They were doing powerful things for the kingdom. So their spirit man had been built up. Their faith had been built up, right? Their knowledge had been built up. Their revelation of the word had been built up. So then how then did they fall? How did they fall if that's the case? If they were spiritual people that ended up you know, being able to do all those things for the Lord, how did they fall? Well, this is proof to you. Remember this, this is proof to you that it doesn't matter how much you build up your spirit, doesn't matter how much you build up your revelation of the word, doesn't matter how much you build up your faith. That's only one part of the three parts of you because this is proof that no matter how impactful they were, I can think of people right off the top of my head that that impacted the whole World, whole world, and still fell. Well, it's not because they weren't powerful. It's not because they didn't have faith. It's not because they didn't have revelation of God's word. They had those things because without them, you can't impact the world. They had those things. But what did they also have? They also had carnal flesh like every one of us. Every one of us. You'll never get to a place where you don't have carnal flesh, ever. Until you die or until Jesus comes and glorifies your body in the rapture. You understand? You'll always have that thing that's like a weight there that you have to fight with and win against on a daily basis. So what is it? It's that center person. It's the soul. The soul is made up of the mind, the will, and the emotions. Put that in the comment section if you've never had it taught to you. Your soul is made up of your mind, your will, and your emotions. Pop that in the comments. It's important to define it. Important to define it because sometimes people say the word soul and you think we're talking about your spirit man. But your soul is different than your spirit man. Your spirit man is what's eternal, it's what's renewed by God in salvation. It's the new creature in Christ Jesus. But the soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. Your mind, your thoughts, those have to be renewed. Your your thoughts, your mind has to be renewed. Your thoughts have to be taken captive. No question. And it is in this center area where we win. One minister called it the battlefield of the mind. The reason it's called the battlefield of the mind is because it's where the war is waged. It's knowing that whichever side the soul teams up with is going to be the winning side. Nope. People don't understand that. And they, they've got to understand that because it doesn't have any, remember this, it doesn't have anything to do with how strong your spirit is. Nothing. Nothing. Because if it's if that was the case, you could build your spirit man to the place where you no longer needed to crucify your flesh or renew your mind. And that'll never be the case. Never. It doesn't matter how strong your spirit is. It doesn't matter. Because the spirit's only one part of you. So Andrew, we'll still have our mind. But remember this: <clears throat> Andrew's saying. On, on YouTube, I've always wondered this. We, we will have new bodies. God will call, call, take our spirits. But what happens with our mind when we die or during the resurrection? Remember this, right now, our minds, which were created by God, our soul, it's corrupted by the flesh nature. Know that. It's corrupted by the flesh nature. But when sin is destroyed and defeated and removed from the earth, when we're renewed and our bodies, remember this, our bodies will be glorified so that they can literally stand in the presence of God because they'll have no sin in them, then there'll be no negative effect trying to pollute the mind. Currently, we have a negative effect trying to pollute the mind, that's the carnal flesh. It's the sin nature of the flesh. And so it tries to pollute the mind with things that are displeasing to God. But we won't have that pollution when our bodies are renewed And glorified, and our minds will completely be free from any pull to what is wicked. And so we'll still have minds. We'll still have, you know, a will and emotions and all those things, but it'll be different than now because we won't have the pollution of the carnal flesh, you see. And so the renewing of the mind is such a vital, vital act for every Christian. And today I'm dealing with this, take this mindset, it's the winner's choice mindset. I'm going to show you what I mean because everything begins there. Everything begins there. When we, wait, no, see, that's why I wanted to distinguish this because Ariana's asking on YouTube, when we say the phrase, win souls for Christ, is that still what we mean? No, and in that place, it's used in more of a general uh, term. It's, it's more, um, it's more generic. You know, souls, when we say it that way, we do mean the spirits of men and women that were are being renewed for Jesus Christ. We don't mean their mind. We're not taking people's minds for Christ. When we preach the gospel, we know that when the salvation or the redemptive act of salvation takes place, a spirit is renewed into a new creation. Uh, and then it's our responsibility to renew the mind. So see what I mean? That's why I wanted to define it because I know sometimes we use the word soul generically to mean spirit but it's not your spirit there are three parts of you the spirit the soul and the body and the soul is made up of your mind your will and your emotions it's not your spirit man so I guess more accurately Ariana we should say winning spirits for Christ you know because that's that's accurately what we mean but the soul the second part of you is so so vital because it is that part that can direct your life. Go to Proverbs 4 with me. I want to show you this. It is the part of you that can direct your life. Um, Let me show you this. Proverbs chapter 4. um, I'll read verses 20 through 23. It says, My son Be attentive to my words, incline your ear to my sayings, let them not escape from your sight, keep them within your heart for they are life to those who find them and healing to their flesh, to all their flesh. Verse 23. Now this is it. So keep your heart. One translation says, guard your heart, keep your heart with all vigilance. For from it flow the springs of life. One translation says the issues of life. So guard your heart, your soul. See, your spirit man's not corrupted. Your spirit man can't be corrupted by things of the flesh. It's made perfect in Christ. It's made one with Christ. What gets corrupted is your soul, Your mind, your will, your emotions, those are corrupted by outward things that are negative or evil or wicked or carnal. And so that's what you have to guard. My spirit man's not, I don't need to, how can the devil overtake my spirit man that's been made perfect, that's seated in heavenly places at the right hand of God with Christ? How can the devil corrupt my spirit man? You can't corrupt my spirit man, the Bible says <clears throat> that if you're going to rob a house, that you have to first go into the house and bind up the strong man. Well, the devil doesn't have the ability to bind my spirit. How can the devil bind my spirit or your spirit? If you're saved, he has no access to your covenant with God. I want you to, I'll put that in the comments. The devil has no access to. To my covenant with God. The devil has no access to my covenant with God. Um, Listen to the New American Standard. Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. Look at the very next verse. Put away from you a deceitful mouth and put devious speech far from you. Look, let your eyes look directly ahead and let your gaze be fixed straight in front of you. Watch the path of your feet and all your ways will be established. Do not turn to the right nor to the left. Turn your feet away from evil. You see that? And so notice, he tells you to guard your heart and then tells you how to do it. That's so powerful, man. Catch that. He tells you to guard your heart and then tells you how to do it. How? Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. How do we do that? Well, first put away from you a deceitful mouth and put devious speech far from you. Let your eyes look directly ahead and let your gaze be fixed straight in front of you. Watch the path of your feet. And all your ways will be established. Don't turn to the right or to the left. Don't uh, turn your feet away from evil. So I want you to, I'm going to break this down quickly because before I get into this mindset, three things, if you noticed, the writer of Proverbs mentioned there. Number one, the very first thing he mentioned uh, in guarding your heart was watching your words. You notice that? If you're going to guard your heart, watch your words. Number two, if you're going to guard your heart, guard your vision. And then number three, if you're going to guard your heart, guard your actions or your path. Guard your actions. So the three things that the writer of Proverbs is telling us in order to guard our heart with all vigilance or diligence is to guard our words, guard our vision, guard our actions. Guard our words. Guard our vision, guard our actions. Put them in the comments. Write it in your notes. Mark it in your Bible. Put it on the side next to Proverbs 4.23. Put it in the margin. Guard my words, guard my vision, guard my actions. Three things. Watch your words, watch your vision, watch your actions. Because if you're going to guard your heart, these are the three things really, that would let anything evil gain entrance into your heart. You know, what am I doing? Well, I'm having now, I'm I'm engaging in conversations that I shouldn't engage in. I'm listening to words from people that have nothing to do with my covenant that are what the Bible, I dealt with this in a previous broadcast, uh, what would be called an evil report. What's an evil report? Any report that contradicts the word of God over your life. So now I'm having conversations and receiving an evil report from people that don't believe the word of God. And now I'm starting to believe that it's affecting my heart. It's affecting my heart, my vision. I'm looking at things. I'm watching things. I'm seeing things that don't line up with God's purpose plan for my life, his instructions. And so my heart is not being guarded because I'm seeing things that I shouldn't be seeing. And then finally my actions, I'm doing things. That are causing my heart to be polluted. I'm doing things. See what I mean? So th- three ways to guard your heart. You guard your words, you guard your vision, you guard your actions. And that's what the writer of Proverbs is saying here. That's how you diligently guard your heart. So as we're going on with this, I'm talking today about a mindset that, mindset that you have to have immediately. We call it I'm calling it winner's choice because you look at things like uh, those new age philosophies. They call it new age. It's scriptural principles. The law of attraction is not new age. Jesus and the apostles taught this. This was something that God designed for his people. It's what God designed for his people. You look up. Yeah, that's excellent billion. Billion said she looked up guard this morning and it means to tend like a garden. And I totally agree with that because you are constantly taking care of your heart, your mind, your will, your emotions in the same way that you would a garden. I understand it why it would come across as tend because you have to constantly, you can't leave it to its own devices. It will die. It will rot. You see what I mean? So you have to take constant care, daily care of your soul and take daily care of your flesh, making it submit to the things of God. So what am I talking about? There's a supernatural mindset. I mean, Jesus is the one who said, if you'll speak to the mountain, tell it to be cast into the sea and you don't doubt in your heart, but believe that you'll have those things. which you, You'll have whatsoever uh, that you say Mark 11, 22 through 24. You'll have whatsoever things you say. Jesus taught. Jesus is the one who taught that when you speak something, that's not new age. When you release those words from your mouth, they cause things to happen and they change the outcome of your life. The writer of Proverbs, death and life are in the power of the tongue. But it does, remember this, none of those things start with the with the mouth. They always start, as I said, with the mind, the soul. And of course, these things are spiritually discerned. I know that. I know that if you're a Christian you have the ability to spiritually discern the word of God that a sinner doesn't have. If you've never, if you don't know what I'm talking about, let me break that down quickly because uh, this is the only place that I've ever had anybody disagree with me on this is that we'll see brother. Our, 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 um, our minds are not the most important part. Our spirits are because everything we learn from the word or from God is spiritually discerned. I understand that all truth from God's word is spiritually discerned. I know that. However, however, Every Christian has the ability, ability to spiritually discern it. Oh, not, not just some Christians, all Christians do. It's sinners who do not. So <clears throat> let me let me give it to you in another way. What I'm teaching you today, it wouldn't matter if a sinner did this for 30 years. Nothing would change. Sinners don't have the ability to guard their heart or have the ability to um renew their minds or have the ability to take every thought captive. They, they're not renewed spirits. They can't do what we can do. In fact, the Bible says when the word of God comes to them, it's foolishness to them because their eyes are darkened. They don't have an understanding because they're dead in trespasses and in sins. That's why they can't do what we can do in hearing the word of God, discerning it spiritually, guarding our hearts, renewing our minds, setting our minds on things above, Obviously, sinners can't do that. They're, they're dead in trespasses and in sins. We get that. But every Christian has the ability to discern and understand the Word of God because the Holy Spirit lives within you. No, sinners cannot speak Psalm 91. It's not for them. Even in the Old Testament it was it was for God's people. It was for the righteous. It was for, it was for God's people. So no, sinners can't claim any of God's word. None of God's promises are for people that are not his children. That's why when I preach, even if I'm preaching on blessing, I'll say at the end of the service when I'm getting ready to take the altar call, that listen, If you you may have heard me preaching these things and you're a visitor today and you're not serving the Lord. But remember this, the only way to get in on these blessings that I'm preaching about is to become a child of God. Because the blessings of God are reserved for the children of God. Amen. You can write that in the comments and write it in your notes. The blessings of God are reserved for the children of God. Sinners can't claim any part of God's word. The only thing sinners can have access to is repentance. As the gospel is preached to them and the good news extended to them, faith is built in their heart, that's the part that gives them entrance into the kingdom, but it's the only prayer God will hear from a sinner the prayer of repentance. That's the only prayer God hears from a sinner. Nothing else. Can't pray, bless me, Lord, heal me, Lord. There, there, it's, if a sinner gets healed, it's because someone who is a Christian exercised their faith, their covenant, their ability, and their power to transfer or impart healing to a sinner. A sinner can't have faith in healing. He's dead. Doesn't even have faith in Christ. How can he have faith in healing? You understand what I mean? So it's the entrance into the kingdom. So when I say that, I know people have have said before, you know, well, brother, the most important part is the spirit. Well, that's not necessarily true. Although the spirit is very important, all parts of you are important, but the winning of battles, the mind... I mean, it's, it's semantics to say, well, you have to, the, the word of God is spiritually discerned. Well, yes, but every Christian can spiritually discern it. So that's not like, it's it's not like a, a some kind of prerequisite that some Christians have and others don't. We all have the ability to receive the word of God as Christians, but what every Christian does not do is renew their mind and take authority over the soul. That's why there are many Christians that struggle and many Christians that go from crisis to crisis instead of victory to victory, is because they can adhe- they can hear the word of God, they can understand the word of God, they can discern the word of God. That's the point I made about the preachers that have impacted the world and still fall. The most important part for them was not their spirit. It was their soul. It was their soul. Because the ones who have not fallen, remember this, any any preacher, any minister, any Christian who has not fallen, are ones that have successfully guarded their soul. Because every person, and just remember this, by the way, the more you do for the Lord, the more the devil fights against you. Remember that he has limited resources. He doesn't have unlimited demons, unlimited help, very limited. He's not a creator. He can't create demons. He's very limited. All he has is the ones that uh, are the ones that left heaven with him. He can't create anymore. He's very limited. So, so ask yourself this question. If he's fighting against us, the church, why would he expend resources on individuals that aren't even doing anything to fight back against the kingdom of darkness? That's a waste of his resources. And he's not an idiot. He doesn't do that. But the ones that are really going after the kingdom of darkness obviously he's going to expend more resources to stop and destroy them than he is the Christian that just sits in a pew and doesn't even hardly live by the word. I mean, like literally, if you were the devil, think about this. If you were the devil, who would you expend more resources on? The Christian that refuses to witness, that refuses to read their Bible, that refuses to pray, that goes to church once a month, Or Billy Graham? If you had demons at your disposal and you were trying to destroy the kingdom of God, who would you use the forces of darkness to come against? The Christian that won't do anything God said? Or Billy Graham? Reinhard Bonnke? T.L. Osborne? Lester Summerall? Kenneth Hagin? Jimmy Swaggart? Who would you go after if you were the devil? You see what I mean? The devil's not an idiot. Thank you, Sylvia, for sowing a seed. The devil's not an idiot. And he knows he's got limited resources and he knows his time is short. So if anybody with a brain is going to go after the ones that are destroying, for example, do you spend money? This is a perfect example, by the way. Do you spend money to terminate every termite that's in the world? Or would you only spend money on getting rid of the termites that are destroying your house? Think about that. That's a perfect example, man. You got to hear this. Would you spend your money to destroy all of the termites in the world? Or do you spend your money on getting rid of the termites that are destroying your own house? Well, of course, you're not going to waste your money trying to kill every termite in the world. You're going to use your money that's limited at this point, destroying the termites that are killing your house. And that's what the devil's doing. He's not worried about every Christian in the world because the majority of them aren't doing anything. He's worried about the ones that are destroying the kingdom of darkness. So the more you do for the kingdom, the more adversaries are sent against you to bring you down. That's why it doesn't matter how powerful the men of God's spirits were, has nothing to do with it. It just matters that they were doing things for the kingdom and the devil knew it and he was coming against them harder than he comes against the average Christian who just sits in a pew and attends church once every five weeks, never witnesses, never cracks their Bible other than Sunday morning. You see what I mean? And so there's more coming against those that are doing something than those that aren't. And that's why it's that much more important that a person like that guard their soul their 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 mind, their will, their emotions. See? And so your flesh can only win if you let your soul become reckless. Please get that. Your, your flesh can only win if you allow your soul to become reckless, to be unbridled, to just do whatever it wants to do. You don't set your mind on things above. You don't guard your vision. You don't guard your words. You don't take captive every thought that exalts itself against Jesus Christ. You just let things happen. You just roll. Well, you know that that's not that big of a deal. You know, it's not going to change me. That's not. And then it does. And then what happens is your mind remains unrenewed and is poisoned by the pollution of the carnal side of you. And so what I want you to see is then your flesh wins the battle. Your spirit wants to win, but your flesh ends up winning because of the fact you didn't guard your soul. And so today I'm talking about the mindset, and I'm calling it winner's choice. You can call it whatever you want. I'm calling it winner's choice because those that are truly winning in the kingdom, it's not random. They're choosing to win. You you get that? Those that are winning in the kingdom, It's not randomly God picked one said, Hey, I want you to win today. I want you to. No, they're choosing to win. How are they choosing it? Well, that's what I want to discuss quickly. Got a hater on Facebook, Kay Gardner, calling me a white supremacist and uh, that I follow the Antichrist. God bless you, Kay. You've earned yourself a block and a ban. Go back to doing Sudoku. Um So catch this. I call it a winner's mindset because the people that are winning in the kingdom are winning on purpose. It's not new age philosophy, it's scriptural principle. Let me let me take you to the book of Matthew. Let's look at the teachings of Jesus. Jesus said in Matthew 12, listen to this. I'll start with verse 33. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For the tree is known by its fruit. Verse 34, you brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? Look at this. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person, verse 35, out of his good treasure brings forth good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak, for by your words you'll be justified, and by your words you'll be condemned. So Jesus is teaching here that words are very important, and that they originate out of the abundance of of what is in your heart. Notice, if you don't guard your heart, guess what kind of words are going to come out? And because we know that words carry power, guess what's going to happen? Your words are always creating. I want you to put it in the comments today. My words are always creating. My words are always creating. My words are always creating. I want you to write it. Because if people could just catch that concept alone, it would change the way that we speak and live. My words are always creating. They have creative power. But notice, it's out of the abundance of my heart that my mouth speaks. You can't bring good fruit out of an evil heart. You can't bring evil fruit out of a good heart. So it's what you fill your heart with is what Jesus is teaching. What's in your heart? Have you guarded your heart? Have you tended your heart? For out of it flow the issues of life. And so those that are winning are winning on purpose. You see that? I am purposely filling my heart. Love you, Isaac. Filling my heart with the fuel that will cause me to release seeds, my words, that are creating something I want to walk in. I'm not taking life as it comes. What a stupid way of thinking and living. Well, you know, we all just have to learn how to take life as it comes. No one that's intelligent does that. Nobody. Well, we just, you know, we're just living we're living, man. We're just taking life as it comes. No, no one does that. Even sinners that are successful don't live that way. They create success for themselves. And you can do the same in the kingdom. You can create a successful kingdom life by obeying the principles of God's word. You take this mindset. So here, here is it in practicality. This is how it looks. If you are a person who has allowed yourself to believe certain things, even about yourself, well, I'm not any good. I'm a loser. I, if it wasn't for bad luck, I wouldn't have any luck at all. I never expect good things to happen to me, man. I, it's like one problem after another in my life. That's how people talk. They talk like that. You know, our family's never been very successful. We've never really had much. I'm sure that'll be the case with me. You know, we've always been in debt. My family, you know, we... we we're, and then they make it a family thing. The Richardsons don't have money, you know. The Richardsons... And they'll make it like it's a joke. Well, you know how the Richardsons do, buddy. We go paycheck to paycheck. It's like they keep themselves in the same problems by viewing themselves as however it's been in the past. What others have said about them versus what God says about them. You need to begin to rebuild your identity based upon How God defines you. Do you see that? I've got to rebuild my identity based upon how God defines me. God does not define me as poor, God doesn't define me as a failure, God doesn't define me as worthless, God doesn't define me as stupid. God does not define me as weak. This is why we created the confession for our children and your children that we put on a poster that we put on all the miracle word kids boxes that we say with our kids every night before bed. That's based upon revelation chapter five and verse 12. And every night before my children go to bed, every night before my uh, son or my daughters, whoever I'm putting to bed, we'll always say it. We, we pray And then I say, all right, let's repeat it together. I'm powerful. I am wealthy. I am wise. I am mighty. I have honor. I have glory. I have blessing. Then we keep going. I'm healthy. I'm thankful. I'm bold. I'm a leader. We continue on with it. And they came up with the final uh, ones because they wanted to keep confessing. And so I want you to hear this. You've got to redefine your identity based upon what God said about you. You're powerful. You're wealthy. You're wise. You're mighty. You have honor. You have glory. You have blessing. You're healthy. You're thankful. You're bold. You're a leader. You say those things until you believe them. Say them until you believe them. And contradict yourself. If something tries to jump out of your mouth from past experience or the way you grew up or something that was just always said by friends and family, contradict it immediately. I oh, man, I can't afford that. Wait, wait, I'm wealthy in Jesus name. Contradict it. I don't care if it sounds stupid. I don't care if people think, well, you're being a little nitpicker from the word of God. Don't go walk around. Like, well, I can't afford that. No, stop saying that and say, I'm wealthy in Jesus name. Not only are all my needs supplied by his riches and glory in Christ Jesus, but I will abound in every good work. I'll have more than enough. Everything I set my hand to is blessed. I'm blessed coming in. I'm blessed going out, blessed in the city, blessed in the field. My basket is blessed. My storehouse is blessed. He'll open up the treasury in the heavens and pour out rain upon me and my land. I mean, start talking like that. I don't say I can't afford it. What a stupid thing to say uh, for somebody who's connected to the God of provision, He owns the cattle on a thousand hills, the gold and the silver, they are his, and I'm in covenant with him, and what's his is mine, and what's mine is his. Why would I ever say I can't afford it if I'm connected by covenant to the God of provision? Hallelujah. To say I can't afford it is to say God can't afford it. Come on, man. Catch that today. Put it in the comments. To say I can't afford it is to say God can't afford it. To say I can't afford it is to say God can't afford it. Why do I say that? Because I'm connected with him in covenant. I'm connected with him in covenant. What's his, if you don't understand covenant, if you're in covenant with someone, what's theirs is yours, and what's yours is theirs. It's like we're one and the same. We're connected by covenant. My resources are your resources. Your resources are are my resources. To say I can't afford it is to say God can't afford it. (laughs) And my God is never in a position that he can't afford something. How ridiculous. I'm not talking about walking outside of wisdom and going and doing something irresponsible in a time when you shouldn't be doing it according to wisdom, but don't make confessions out of your mouth about what you can or cannot do based upon what you see in the natural right now. Come on, man. I said, come on the house I'm sitting in today. Two years ago, if I was going to speak in the flesh, I would have said, man, I, I kind of a house. I can't afford that kind of a house, but I don't talk like that. I don't talk like that. And I thank God for a father and mother that have faith. Thank God for family members that have faith. And I thank God for my bishop who has faith, who I was golfing with one day. And I told him about this house, Bishop Rick Thomas, and I told him about it. And just the man so full of faith that he didn't sit there and try to give me a, a, he just said in, in passing, in passing, he just said, listen, once you set your heart on it, God will give it to you. That's all he said. And it was done. Once you set your heart on it, God will give it to you. It wasn't a, well, let's pray and believe. Let's No, he just had an understanding by faith. Why? Because I never am going to be in a position where I say, well, I can't afford that. I don't talk like that because I'm not the source of my own provision. You see that? I'm not the source of my own provision. So my even my bishop said, listen, once you set your heart on it, God will give it to you. And God did. We set our heart on it. We came over here, walked around the property, anointed it with oil, and said it's ours. Set our heart heart on it. Months later, it was ours. Standing in it today. Standing in it because I I didn't sit around and go, well, it's a nice house. Can't afford that. Can't afford that. No. No. I didn't sit around saying, I can't afford it. Because anybody who says that's in the kingdom, I can't afford it, what you're truly saying is God can't afford it. And if it's part of his blessing for your personal life, it doesn't matter who doesn't want you to have it. Do you know there was tons of people that tried to buy this house before us? Couldn't get it. They tried for two years to get this property. God kept it right here for us. Why? Because God, if he has something to bless you with, if he has something in the middle of your purpose, well, let me tell you something. See, here's another thing. Is that the only reason we came to Florida is because God told us to come. That's the only reason I'm here. You know, think about it. For an evangelist who travels the nation, to put yourself in the very tip of the corner of the nation when you have to go everywhere doesn't make any natural sense. But God said, come here. That means if God said, come here, it's his command, which means he has provision here for us because in his instruction, there's provision. If he said, come to Florida, And specifically told me what part of Florida and where, and I'm here. If he told me, then that means he's got provision waiting on me here where he told me to come. Not only did he have this provision waiting on me, he kept it open for me. And every single person that tried to take his provision was moved out of the way. Their finances wouldn't come through or they couldn't get the finances transferred in from out of the country or there was, there were multiple stories and cases And God let this thing sit here for two years waiting on me to say, yes, I can. Yes, he can. And he did. You see what I mean? You don't ever say. And two years ago, I could have clearly said that. Well, I can't afford something like that. But it's not about me or what I can do. It's about what God does. That's why I don't define my identity by what I see in the natural. That's a mistake, man. Winners don't win because it's an accident or because of God's sovereign choice. Winners in the kingdom win because they choose to. It's winner's choice. You take these identity characteristics and you define yourself by what God said in his word about you. Don't call yourself somebody, well, you know, this uh, this sickness runs in our family. No longer. It doesn't. Not Not now that you became a a child of God and you're in the kingdom. It doesn't run in your, it doesn't run in your family any longer. It stopped with you. It stopped with you. Cancer doesn't run in your family any longer. It died when you came into the kingdom and God created a new family tree. And now you and the generations after you have broken the curse and no evil thing will come near your dwelling place. That's how you talk. That's how you talk. It's a winner's choice mindset i sit around, hope I don't catch that coronavirus. I couldn't catch it if it wanted to get me. If every person in this neighborhood, listen to me, if every person in my neighborhood caught coronavirus and every one of them came to my house and kissed me on the mouth, I still couldn't catch it. I can't catch it. Now, that's my confession. I can't. I cannot. You have to believe like that. I cannot. Cannot. I believe you'll get it quickly, Norman. 200 acres of land. It's yours in Jesus' name. Cannot. Cannot. I can't be destroyed by sickness and disease. Who who does sickness and disease think I am? You think I'm some unregenerated individual, dead in trespasses and sins? Absolutely not. I'm a child of God, connected to the body of Christ, seated in heavenly places at the right hand of the Father, far above principalities and powers. Far above. Far above. Can't be sick. I'm healed in Jesus' name. I don't have to wait till I'm sick, like some people have preached, to know Jesus is my healer. He's my healer when I'm healed. He keeps me healed. I'm not sick, never will be sick. I'm healed in Jesus' name. I'm healed in Jesus' name. I'm powerful. I'm wealthy. I'm wise. I'm not stupid. Don't let people tell you you're stupid. Well, you know, I've never been very smart. Never been very smart. None of my family's really ever been very smart. Don't talk like that. You have the mind of Christ. There's no greater mind to have than the mind of Christ. You have no need that any man should teach you, for the Holy Spirit teaches you all things. First John, He teaches you all things. You can learn anything. There's nothing you can't learn. You ever think about that? No Christian, no matter what age, should ever say, "Well, I'm not very good with computers." You can be good at anything you want. You can learn anything you want. You've got an advantage, which is the Holy Ghost. You see what I'm saying? It's winner's choice. I don't define my identity based on my past, based on what people say, based on what the world is saying, based on what I see in the natural. I build my identity based upon what God said about me. That's it. That is it has nothing to do with anything else. And I'm thankful for that because there's a lot of things that people would want to label me with that are not going to be my story because I'm not. I am not going to be controlled by the spirit of this world, by what's going on in the natural, by what happened in anybody's past, by what anybody has to say about me. It will never be my story. My story is what the word word of God says about me, and your story is what the word of God says about you. And so it's winner's choice. I flip my mindset. So now, let me show you what I mean by taking on this mindset immediately, is that now when I wake up, I expect these things to be my story. I expect people to find me and bless me. You understand that? Let me speak to that for a minute because there's people that they can't receive. You can't be blessed if you can't receive. And the Lord is, the Holy Spirit's leading me to to mention this quickly. I can't believe in the body of Christ. People that I have attempted to bless that say things like this. Oh, I, I couldn't accept that, but thank you for thinking of me. God can't bless you if you can't receive. Why are you cutting his covenant in half? It's not the covenant of seed time. It's seed time and harvest. Seed time and harvest. Stop cutting off the harvest part. That's your part. You get to harvest. How did God say you would harvest? He said men and women would come and bless you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Will he cause men and women to give into your bosom? So when I mean, what do you think is going to happen? Heaven's going to open and things are going to rain down on you. It doesn't work that way. God sends people to bless you. So when someone shows up to bless you, don't say, well, thank you so much. We just couldn't receive that. Of course I can receive it. And thank you for bringing it because I wake up in the morning expecting, why do I expect it? Why do I expect it? Because I'm a giver. I'm a tither. I'm a large, generous sower, a large, generous sower. And when people contact me and say, hey, Brother Ted, what's your cash app? I would love to just bless you and your wife and send you a seed, which people do. I don't say, well, thank you. But you know, our real blessing is just to see you serving the Lord. No, I am blessed to know you serve the Lord, but I'm also a generous tither and sower. And let me tell you something. I have blessings that are coming to me and I expect people to bless me because I'm not going around asking people to bless me. I expect it to come. It's part of my covenant. And when it does come, I don't say, thank you for thinking of me, but I couldn't receive that. Of course I can receive it. I'm a receiver because I'm a giver. I don't look at myself with false humility and say, oh well, thank you so much, but you know, we don't really need anything right now. What a dumb way to live when you're a giver and then cutting off the last half of the covenant. I'm a receiver. I'm not just a giver, my friend. I'm a receiver. I'm a receiver. And the problem is we define ourselves based on a uh, culture or natural uh, circumstances or what you see or what's been done in the past or what your family's always done or what you've seen go through the generations. Don't do that. Do it based upon what the word of God says. Winner's choice. I'm choosing today to win. I choose it because of God's word. I say those things. I expect those things. They're coming to pass because of my faith in God's word. I don't expect to wake up today and then later today get in a car crash. I'm not getting in a car crash today or any day. I'm not going to die in a car, car, car crash. I'm not going to die in a plane crash. I don't expect it to happen. It's not going to happen. That's not my story. It's not my covenant. I don't expect to go to the doctor today and get diagnosed with some terminal disease. It ain't happening. I said it's not happening. Why? My faith says no. My faith says no. And so because my faith says no, it can't happen. I'm setting. What's my wife's upcoming book about? Creating boundary lines that your enemy cannot cross with the power of your words. I'm expecting it. I'm expecting health in this body. And this body better line up with the covenant. You understand what I'm saying? Thank you, Brian, Nicole. I expect this body to line up with the covenant. You you know what I mean? I'm not just keeping my body under from, you know, whatever sin. I expect this body to line up with what the word of God says. It better line up. This, bo- this body better line up with the covenant. This body's got no business. This body's got no business being sick. Remember that your body has no business being sick. You've got a healer. You've got a covenant of healing. Jesus shed his blood, took stripes upon his back, purchased your healing on the cross of Calvary. And now if you're part of his body, you've got your body has no business being sick. Don't go around. Well, you know, that's the way of the world, not the way of my world. It's not the way of my world. My faith says, no, I don't receive it. No business being in lack and poverty. I've got no business being there. I'm a child of the king. I have a provider. He provides for me. i got no business being poor. I've got no business being in lack. I've got no business being sick. I've got no business being diseased. I've got no business being depressed or anxious. None. No business. It's not my story, man. It's not my story. It's not yours. Winner's choice. So what do I do? I'm guarding my heart. This is the origin right here. I'm guarding this. I'm filling this with expectation. I'm filling it with expectation. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Romans ten seventeen. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Put some preaching on, put Bill Winston on, put Miracle Word Radio on, put Bishop Boydepo, put my father, put my cousin, put my uncles, whoever you got. Bishop, get yourself full of the word preached and the word preached produces faith. And so noticing that, my heart then is the abundance of my heart is filled up with what I fill it with. And so, there's a reason that my words sound different than other people's words. There's a reason my life looks different than other people's lives. There's a reason my story will be different than other people's stories. It's because I've chosen the kind of fuel to fill my heart with. And now that I have, watch, now that I've changed this, this has to change. I've renewed my mind through what? The washing of water by the word. That's found in the book of Ephesians. The washing of water. By the word. I want you to see that. Because. Listen to this. (coughs) Uh, Ephesians chapter 5. Verses 25 and 26. Husbands love your wives. As Christ loved the church. And gave himself up for her. That he might sanctify her. The church. Having cleansed her. By the washing of water with the word. That's Ephesians 5, 26. The washing of water with the word. So any negative thought that I had, any thought process, any philosophy I had about my life, I'm washing it out of my heart today with the washing of water by the word. This washes like a a sponge and soap. It washes out. It's like a supernatural loofah. (laughs) It washes out all of those things that are contradictory. Everything that says God's word is not true. And it fills your heart with what God's word actually says. And then, watch, once this mind is renewed, once this heart is filled, it sets a new expectation. It sets a new expectation expectation when you realize who you are what you are it now makes me expect something different if i sat down right if i sat down with an attorney and he said so and so passed away and left you three million dollars and here's the wire information by the end of business day today on monday your bank account will reflect the deposit of the $3 million. When I show up on Tuesday and take a look at my account balance, I have an expectation to see whatever my balance previously was plus $3 million. If I don't see it, there's an issue. I'm going to go back and talk by law to the attorney. And so what's the same thing happening here is that when you realize what has legally been transferred to you through Christ's blood, you now have an expectation that when I check my life balance, that stuff better be there because it was paid for, it was transferred to me, it was legally given, I've been adopted into the family and now it's mine and when I look, it better be there. It better be there. And the devil has no access to your account In heaven, you've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. Ephesians 1.3. So it better be there is all I'm saying. That's why I was talking the way I was talking before. When I look at my body, it better reflect my inheritance. When I look at my mind, it better reflect my inheritance. When I look at my finances, it better reflect my inheritance. When I look at my relationships, they better reflect my inheritance. You see what I'm saying? Is that I'm not winning on accident. We're winning on purpose. It's winner's choice. When I fill myself with this, it changes my mind, changes my heart, and sets a new expectation. And when my new expectation is set, it changes what I say. Oh, here we go. And when it changes what you say, then there's a different kind of life virtue flowing out of your mouth, creating new things. You catching this? Are you catching this today? It all starts here. Winner's choice. The mindset is starts by what you have filled your heart with. What fills my heart? What's the abundance of my heart? If it's the negative confessions of previous generations, cut it out today. Wash it. Wash it. Go wash up. That's what we got to do. Wash up anything you may find lingering in your mindset. Oh, no, that's not me. Uh, you, contradict it immediately. Contradict it immediately with the power of God's word. And don't let that thing stay on you. Don't let that thought stay in your life. Don't let that mindset remain. I'm not good enough. I'm gonna, uh, Stop it. And say what God said. You're an overcomer. You're more than a conqueror. A mind of Christ. Seated in heavenly places. You can't lose. How can you lose when you've already won? Can you imagine going up to a football team that's in the Super Bowl after the Super Bowl is over and they've already won it and they already hold the trophy, the Super Bowl trophy, and then walking up to the players on the team and saying, you know, I think you guys are going to lose this Super Bowl. It's already over, baby. We already won. Check out the trophy. It would be be stupid to say that to any of those football players on that team. I think you're going to lose the Super Bowl. They already won it. And in the same way, it would be dumb for us to say, well, I don't know. I don't, you know, my family, we've never won. You've already won. How can you be a loser when you've already won through Christ? Read 1 Corinthians 15, 57. Thanks be unto God who always gives us the victory through Christ Jesus. We have the victory. We're not going to have it. We have it. You see that? We're not going to have it. We have it. Whew. Come on, man. Come on. And it start, I want to start this week with you talking about this because this mindset, you got to grasp it. You got to make it yours. Let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, thought it not robbery being equal with God. Let's see, you've been made one with Christ, you've been made one with God. How can you lose? Why would you expect to lose? Why would you expect to be sick? Why would you expect to be poor? Why would you expect to have a, a divorce? Why would you expect those things? To be depressed and anxious. Why would you expect to have to deal with suicidal thoughts? Don't expect it. Expect what God's word says. Don't give place to the devil. Don't give place to the devil. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Let me let me finish with this before we pray. How do you resist the devil? Because the Bible tells us, resist the devil, he'll flee from you. Book of James. How do you resist the devil? Well, let's look. How did Jesus resist the devil? Every time something came as a temptation, turn these stones into bread. Cast yourself off the pinnacle. Angels will catch you. You know, whatever it would be. I'll give you everything if you just serve me. How did Jesus resist him? He answered him back by quoting the word of God that's how Jesus resisted the devil and the Bible actually tells us the devil had to flee from him you resist the devil by speaking the word of God to every circumstance you find what the word of God says regarding that situation and then you speak it into it the devil says you can't you tell him three verses that say why you can I mean just be ready to roll when the devil tells you why you can't have joy in your life, tells you you can't have peace when you sleep, can't have rest, you pull your word out and you declare, no, the word of God says that I have a peace that passes all understanding. I've got joy overflowing. The Bible declares that when I find the word, it becomes joy and rejoicing to my soul. Jeremiah 15, 16. So you, you find those things and you declare them. He's given me a garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness and in his presence is fullness of joy. I have the joy and you can't be taken, You it can't be taken away by the devil or any demon or any person. My joy is given to me by God. Anytime it comes against you, you respond to it with the word of God. And I'm telling you, I'm encouraging you on this Monday to get into a place where this mindset becomes your mindset and you're choosing to win. I want you to bow your head. I'm gonna pray for you today. Because God's moving, man. And this is how it starts. If you want to see these things break loose, I'm telling you, the last six months of this year, violent increase, expedited favor like you've never seen, it's going to blow the minds of natural men. It starts here. I'm not going into the last half of this year expecting failure, expecting sickness, disease, poverty, lack. No, I'm expecting to explode in blessing, in productivity, in health, in peace, in joy. You see? Same for you. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray now for every man and woman that's watching the broadcast or listening on the podcast. I ask you now, open the eyes of their understanding. I pray that you'd give them the spirit of wisdom and revelation like they've never had. As we go forward with an expectation of the blessing of heaven, I thank you, Lord, that every demon is fleeing from our homes. Let God arise and his enemies be scattered in Jesus' name. Lord, blow your breath from heaven and scatter every enemy of God's people today in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. I take authority over whatever attack has already been sent against your people, Lord. I rebuke it today in Jesus' name. Sickness, go. I command disease to go in Jesus' name. Depression, anxiety, suicidal thoughts, release them today in Jesus' name. And I lose healing, peace, joy. I thank you, Lord. Rest is going to be their story in Jesus' wonderful name. Lord, we give you glory, we give you honor, and we give you praise. And if you believe it, somebody throw some fire in the comment section. Let me know you're standing with me today and believing that this mindset is yours. You will expect to see the blessings of God. Don't expect any less than the best of what God has said for you and, his, and will be your story from his word in Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. I feel the, the gift of faith, man. We're going to another level. I said we're going to another level. <laughs> Who glory to God. We're going to another level. Whew. Let me encourage you. So we're what? More than halfway. We're three quarters or two thirds of the way through the month of June. I want to encourage you to stand with us in partnership today. People have already been sowing today. I want you to sow a seed by faith. We are expecting to go harder than we've ever gone in these final six months of the year. And we're going to see so much increase. It's going to blow the minds of natural men. The same is true for you. People will ask you, how in the world did that happen? Do you know we've already had testimonies come back like that? Where people saw the blessing of God on someone's life and said, how in the world did that happen? How'd you get that? How'd that door open for you? Where'd you get that? It's going to be your story. It's going to be your story. I want you to pray right now and ask the Lord, God, what is it that you want me to do to stand with Ted and Carolyn on a monthly basis? It doesn't matter what it is. Do what the Lord's telling you to do. We've asked people to ask the Lord if they'd be one of the ones that we've been praying about that will stand with us at $85 a month or more, in partnership to believe for the greatest days. See, this generation is going to be saved in Jesus' name. We're going after them. We're going after them like we never have. People are hungry too, as you saw. <laughs> it bl- it blows my, look at that. Britt said, I got a $600 blessing in the mail today. Totally unexpected. Praise the Lord. It's just going to be more of the same because God has a plan to bless his people. But I want you to ask the Lord right now, what is it? that I can do to play a part in what Miracle Word Ministries is doing around the world. And whatever that might be. For some, I know you can stand with us at $85 a month. Some, you can stand with us at $100 or $250. Some are standing with us at $500 a month. We've had people standing with us at $750 a month. People are sowing seeds of $1,000, $2,000, $5,000, $10,000. But maybe you're one of the ones that say, "Look, at this point, I can stand with you at $50 a month, $25, whatever it is. Let the Holy Spirit lead you because it's not about what I ask you to do. It's about what does the Lord tell you to do? And your obedience will put you in a place of overwhelming blessing. It takes faith to obey the Lord. Of course, we know that. But here's what I want you to do. Go to miracleword.com, as you see on the screen, click the give page and set up a monthly seed that the Lord speaks to you to sow. I've been blown away. Not because I don't believe it. I believe it. But it blows me away to see God increasing people as they're giving. If you received the letter I sent to you for the month of June, it was called "multiplied as you move." Multiplied as you move, we've watched that principle happen for people that they started off at fifty dollars a month. And they moved up to $85 a month. Now they're at $100 a month. And they said, as we sowed, as we partnered with you, more increase came. That's, the, that's how God works. And so the important part is to hear in your spirit what is it that the Lord is asking you personally to do. And when you do it, watch the increase come. The nice thing is you're blessed, but you get to be a blessing to those that are around the world without ever having to leave your home. It's powerful. It's a powerful thing. And we're going to send you this. This is such an amazing book by Dr. Bill Winston, The Law of Confession. This is our gift to you this month for those that are partnering with this ministry. And uh, I'm telling you, this, this thing is life-changing. To understand what comes out of your spirit when you release the word. this This chapter, Master Your Mouth, powerful. It's powerful. And so I'm going to tell you, it's time more than ever before to not take life as it comes, but to determine the course of life by what God said, changes, it. changes it. Look at that. Steve Martin said the increase is in, is already coming. Made over 600 in sales in the last three weeks. Praise God, praise God. It's amazing, and it'll continue to increase. Man, I'm looking forward to it. Look to hearing the testimonies. It's mind blowing. <laughs> We love you guys. If you're in the United States, you can always use hashtag donate in the comments as others have done today. Cash app is available. PayPal is available. Venmo is available. All the information right here on the screen, the Venmo username is the same as the Cash app username MWgive. And um, I'm so happy to see people getting blessed, man. People are increasing. Let me show you these before we go. If you didn't get a chance to get any of these yet, the new shirts for the summertime are out for the kids and I'm loving these my favorites that we've ever done they're available right now in the online store shop.miracleword.com I love it don't forget we also have the kids tumblers that are available in the store as well and then let me just say I am so very excited once again my wife's brand new devotional is getting ready to be released. We're almost ready to send it to the printer and then it's coming straight to you. Can I tell you, I'm not ashamed to say it. More people have ordered this book from Carolyn in the pre-order than any any book I've ever released. and I know it's going to be powerful. I can't wait for you to get your hands on a copy. But it's a 40-day devotional of confessions that create boundaries your enemy cannot cross. Let me encourage you. Get it for your small group. Get it for your... Uh, your your uh, group at the church maybe you have a house group uh, whatever it might be grab it for people have been doing that we've been having orders come in for 20 for 30 you know people that want to do it with their groups in every chapter there are discussion questions at the end of every chapter and uh, it's perfect for small group settings so go to shop.miracleword.com and uh, grab your copy today it'll be a massive massive blessing to you I love you guys so much. Appreciate you. And um, I'm looking forward to this week. It's going to be a powerful week. And then we're leaving, by the way, to head out. Next week, check this out. I'm joining my father in Moorfield, West Virginia for the first tent meeting of the year. The tent's going up in Moorfield, uh, West Virginia. And every night of next week, uh, we're going to be having revival services, going after the lost, Got uh, The guys are going to be there with us. It's going to be phenomenal. We're looking forward to it. And then again in July, the tent is going up in York, Pennsylvania. And we're working on a third one as well. It's exciting. The lost are coming in. People are going to be changed by the power of God. Thank you for praying with us. Thank you for standing with us. Um, I'm just telling you, the best days are ahead. Don't believe the lies that nobody's interested. They're coming in in the largest numbers in history into the kingdom. Trust me when I tell you that. Largest numbers in history. And here's the exciting part. You're a part of it. You're a part of it. And I love you guys. And uh, I appreciate you being with me every single day. We'll be back again tomorrow, 10.30 a.m. I love you guys. Have a blessed day. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.